0: This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians at Third Evolution. I'm your host, Robert Pretty. In this podcast, we're going to talk about how do you create job security in your new non-clinical job. When I speak with physicians about career objectives, a key element of the conversation often focuses on job security. My clients are most often leading a developed medical practice setting where. Despite the vagaries of government actions, Medicare reimbursement, uh, litigious patients, and hostile administrators, well, it seems fairly stable by comparison. As physicians say daily, there will always be sick people. So as physicians move into non-clinical endeavors, questions of security, will there always be a job, are paramount. Unfortunately, very few jobs have real security. Frankly, today, even medical practice is at least somewhat volatile. I've spoken with physicians who have been terminated because the practice changed in some way, and they represented the lowest producer, and therefore they were the easiest to dismiss. It happens. Outside medical practice, the reasons are very similar. Someone is evaluated as not making a significant or an appropriate contribution to the company, and they're terminated. Or markets change, products change. Change, you see, is the lifeblood of of most businesses. While medicine is mostly static, business is dynamic and fluid. Think about Kodak or Polaroid. What about Blockbuster Video or Western Electric phones? There is no stability in the business world. It is fleeting. It is innovate or die, and frankly, that must become your mantra as an employee as well. That can be difficult. In medicine, physicians know clearly the expectations, the reasonable volumes. You know who you can refer to. You know how long a patient can remain in a hospital. And sure, there are surprises and outliers, but at the top level, you know almost everything. Non-clinically, understanding what your company considers a necessary contribution can be more of a challenge. A physician I had not spoken to for a couple of years called me one day, and he said, I don't know who else to call, but he couldn't believe what had just happened. He told me how much he enjoyed his job and how well he really thought he was getting along with everyone and that he was appreciated. Then he said the critical words, Bob, I did everything they asked, but I was laid off. Can you believe that? Laid off. Yes, in fact, I could believe it. As I asked that physician, how well did he believe the organization could understand him? Did they appreciate the value he could bring or the contribution he could actually make? He admitted, well, he really didn't think they fully did understand him. They didn't really appreciate what he could accomplish. and, And as a result, his portfolio of responsibilities was rather thin and pretty limited in scope. So why was he laid off? It was partly his company's fault. They failed to work to develop him as an asset, and that is their responsibility. But, but it was mostly his fault. He failed by not doing. Let's take a step back. What did I just say were the critical words he spoke to me? He said this, I did everything they asked. My question to him was this, what did you do that they didn't ask? His response was, well, Bob, I'm not sure I understand what you're you're saying or asking. I understood his confusion and perhaps you're in a similar situation. You may not have been terminated, but you may feel tenuous. You may feel underappreciated, undervalued, or underused. If you think you're in trouble in your job, you probably are. It's this simple. What initiatives have you taken? What new programs or processes have you developed or started? What new value have you brought to the organization? And I mean measurable, trackable value. I'm not just asking if people like you because they must, but I'm asking if they value you. And if you can't respond that your job has grown and changed from when you were hired and that you're constantly pulled in multiple directions and that you're getting great performance evaluations, well, you may be in trouble. Here's a piece of advice, a a tip I offer all my clients. I'll describe it first in the context of medical practice. Because that's where my clients are coming from initially for the most part. But then I'll bring it back to this conversation, speaking about creating that job security in your non-clinical job. But I think you can relate to the, the first example even perhaps a bit more easily. As I'm working with a new client, a task I assign is to take all the activities, their appointments, committees, awards, all that information from their CV, along with perhaps other things you've done. Perhaps you chaired a community organization, or you volunteered with some group or for, for some cause. List all those items on what I define as an accomplishments worksheet. That worksheet is divided into three columns. Column one is the activity, that accomplishment, that appointment, that award. You get the picture. It's the what that you did. It's what you probably listed on your CV. The second column is why. In other words, why did you take this action? Why did you receive this recognition? Why did it happen? And think of the why in the context of problem resolution. For example, you may have been appointed to a board because the board lacked a physician's perspective or you were there because you brought a special element of missing knowledge or information. That's the why. Then, the third column, it's the result. What was actually done or achieved? And the more measurable, the better. Think numbers and percentages or ratios. Also realize that non-clinically, words like substantially, consistently, about, they're perfectly acceptable if real numbers aren't available. What you've done, what you've accomplished, it changes. Instead of simply telling someone that you were selected from among 50 physicians to sit on the hospital QA committee, now you can say this, that as a physician member of the hospital's QA committee, I helped analyze causes of an excessive infection rate among ventilator patients and created a new performance policy that upon implementation reduced the infection rate to the 80th percentile of the national average. So you can see how this look at the typical committee appointments listed on your CV is very different and how much more results-driven the definition of you has become. Now, let me bring this tip back so that we put it in place for you to use today. How can you do this to add to your job security? So as I said before, this is something I recommend to my clients even after they've transitioned their careers. Now, at least every week, take that same accomplishments worksheet and ask yourself, what did I do this week? What was I involved in? What meetings did I attend? What reports perhaps did I write? What data did I analyze? And why? Why were you there? Why did you do the things you did? What problem were you addressing? And then, what was resolved or accomplished? And what was its value? If you do this every single week, you'll have your own running measure of your activity and of your success. It is a real-time snapshot of what you're doing. More importantly, of what you're accomplishing. If you find you're attending a lot of meetings, but you question your contribution, and you can't really specify an outcome, much less an outcome of any value, then you do need to do some rethinking. You need to be asking yourself, why is this happening? Is it happening because others in your work group don't know how to use you, or is it because you are reluctant or afraid to interject your recommendations or opinions into the discussion? Or... Worse yet, are you working in a group that simply fails to accomplish tasks and objectives on a regular basis? So how do you find security? I have three rules that are sure to help you. Rule number one, know your value. In other words, the exercise I just suggested you implement on a weekly basis, it's a way for you to measure, track, identify, define the value of your contribution. The value of your efforts. And it's a running list of the activities you're involved in. The better you understand what you're doing and the value of what you're doing, the more confident you can probably be that others see it as well. As I said previously, if you're questioning how people view you and what you do, then others are probably questioning you as well. So, Create this ongoing measure, track yourself, know and understand your own value. It will certainly change how you see yourself, and that will most likely influence how others see you as well. Rule two, don't just do what you're asked. That's what got my friend in trouble. And don't always do what you're asked. First, What are you being asked to do? Are you being asked to perform tasks, or are you being asked to accomplish goals? There is a difference. This is a task. When someone says, please put together three slides that will explain the impact of our new product on quality measures as part of our slide deck, they're asking you to perform a task that someone else has decided is necessary to accomplish a goal. A goal, on the other hand, could be this. When someone says, we need to communicate to customers the value of our new product, could you create a way to define that value and effectively communicate it? Being asked to perform tasks may mean those around you don't know what you should be doing or how you should be contributing. Being asked to accomplish goals means you're better understood and you're likely being treated as an executive, as a manager, capable of knowing what tasks are necessary to attain your goals. Now, let me make a comment about the comment I just made of don't always do what you're asked. If those around you don't understand your potential in the organization, they may begin to look for jobs for you to do. They think they're trying to help you by keeping you busy. They may decide that they will make you valuable. Consider what you're being asked to do and if you have to ask yourself why, why, because it doesn't seem to fit with why you thought you were hired or seems really outside your comfortable skill set, then it's time to have a matter of fact discussion with those making those requests and their perception of your contribution, both in the context of what it is and what they think it should be. And learn from that how to make yourself more valuable, and that, may very well include a conversation with your supervisor as well. In every case, look for ways to make unexpected contributions. Look for ways to make your span of control and influence larger. You know, in medical practice, physicians don't have to look for work. It finds them. Non-clinically, you always need to be seeking new opportunities. Grow the organization's dependence on both your decisions and on your actions, and always, always look for ways to grow the bottom line. Form follows finance, as a friend of mine used to say. So if you're improving the bottom line, you're pretty secure. And rule number three, be one of one. If you're the only person in a company who can do what you do, and what you do is necessary to organizational success, then you have a level of security. If you're one of five physicians all doing essentially the same job, you're easily replaced. Also, you're easily compared. If you're working in a cubicle, you're more easily replaced than if you're working in an office. That may sound strange to say, but most organizations have an order of perks, and it's a bit of a way to measure where you reside, you might say, on the organizational chart. For example, who parks their car inside versus out? Who has an office versus the cube? Who has administrative staff support versus none, windows versus walls, you get the picture. And being the only, the only physician, the only person with your title, being the only or one of one is another way to measure your level of security within the organization. One final thought, and this comes into play whether you've already made your initial career transition and are. Trying to figure out what the next right step may be, or if you're just contemplating stepping away from clinical practice for the first time. One of my favorite sayings is this you'll never fire yourself. That is, most people associate employment with security and entrepreneurialism with risk. But as an entrepreneur, there are no surprises. You know what bills are being paid, you know what the cash flow is. No one is going to walk into your office on a Friday afternoon with a cardboard box under their arm and say, I'm sorry, but there have been some changes and I'm afraid you're not going to be working here anymore. Just some food for thought. But the bottom line is this real job security is generally defined by you, whether you're working somewhere else or working for yourself. The more effort you put into making yourself indispensable, needed, required, the more likely you are to feel and actually be pretty secure in your job. And as always, if you have questions about this podcast or anything else concerning non-clinical careers, this is Bob Pretty. Don't hesitate to contact me at 720-339-3585, and that is voice, message, or text. Until next time at Third Evolution, thanks for listening.